There's a, a, a movie called Christmas in Connecticut. It's not actually very good. I wouldn't recommend it. But I watch it. Like, I'm addicted to it at Christmas time. And there's a few versions of it. Some are better than others. But three years ago, we actually went and had a Christmas in Connecticut for real. And this is the little cabin in the woods where we stayed. I mean, how perfect is that snow? It was just gorgeous. Actually, it didn't snow Christmas Day. This is Boxing Day. But it snowed on Boxing Day. Amazing. We had never seen falling snow before. So we'll just quickly flick through these pictures so you can just feel jealous right now. This is Christmas in Connecticut. So there's the cabin. Look in the cabin. Isn't that amazing? And there's Lucy uh, on the couch, uh, all curled up in her Christmas. We got really bad Christmas sweaters and stuff. You know, we had the whole deal going. Next one. Look at the tree. That's a real tree. And we got Starbucks ornaments. Look. And, and Lucy and I sat there on Christmas Eve and we got cranberries and popcorns, just like the movies. And we made the things that you put all over the tree. Little American flags. We did the whole thing. Uh, next slide. And there's Neil. <laughs> This was the year we discovered Duck Dynasty, for those of you who really like trashy American things. And that's, that's Neil's ugly Christmas sweater with, um, and it really does say Duck the Halls on there. I, I won't show you my ugly Christmas sweater, that was pretty bad. So there's the gorgeous George. There's my snowman. Do you like that? It's really, really hard to make a snowman, but that's my snowman. And then last of all, here we are with the actual snow. Freshly fallen snow. Now, the story about going to Connecticut, when I look at the photos, and in fact, it's been fun to look at the photos again this week and think, my goodness, we look so happy. But actually, the real story of Christmas in Connecticut was actually quite different. If you just even scratch the surface of that smile on my face, there was like a truckload of pain going on in our family. In actual fact, we were running away. It was an escape. We had been through 16 months of heartache, just more heartache than I could bear. And uh, one of the ways of coping with that was we ran away to Connecticut. So <laughs> really expensive therapy. <laughs> um, but gorgeous. But isn't it amazing how in life, you know, we can have um, things going on, on, on underneath that are incredibly painful and yet sometimes, you know, somehow we can, we can still make it through. And, and it's encouraging looking at that. But no matter what story plays in your head at Christmas time or plays in my head at Christmas time, it's not the most wonderful story. Despite my best efforts, Christmas is never exactly like I plan it to be. And, it's, and it's, it's kind of mostly wonderful. Sometimes it's less than wonderful. The point is, we can't control people. We can't control outcomes. We can't even control ourselves. And so Christmas is full of these expectations. And I, you know, I hope we all have a Merry Christmas. But I think probably most of us are going, I want to have a Merry Christmas. But I, this will probably happen. And we kind of have a a mechanism that goes on inside us that says Merry Christmas is going to be great, but just in case it's not, I prepare for the bad stuff that's going to happen. So-and-so is going to do this, someone's going to say that, I'm not going to get the thing that I really want. You know, all that stuff goes on. So it's a mixture of light and dark, isn't it, at Christmas time. So the most wonderful story, the most wonderful time of the year, no matter how, how good we try and script our lives, like a movie script, our stories are always less than wonderful or just mostly wonderful. But there is a story that's told at Christmas time that is the most wonderful story of all. And it's a story that has been told for thousands of years by lots and lots of different people. But I've picked one person who started the story about 700 years before the first Christmas. 
And he wrote these most amazing words. And the story starts like this. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. What a great way to start a story. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. What's the first thing that comes into your head when you hear that? What's the great light? Or or imagine you're walking in darkness, walking in darkness and all of a sudden, bam, and you, you can't even look at great light, can you? It's kind of like, whoa, what's that? What is the great light? This was written by Isaiah, who 700 years before Jesus was living in a time of darkness. And he, he, he knows that God is going to do something. This can't be the way that life is. You know, this mixture of light and dark, and sometimes times are more darker than others. But life is this mixture of, which says to all of us, there's something not quite right here. We're meant to be people who live differently to this. We're meant to live in the light. And so Isaiah, living in a dark time, is praying and saying, surely God will do something. And God speaks to him and he writes down these words, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And then there is that first Christmas. And then about 30 years after that, a man named John gets to meet someone called Jesus, who is the great light. John recognises him as the great light. And John got to spend three years walking with Jesus, who is the great light. And in John chapter 1, we read some words that are absolutely powerful. These are some of the words that you could spend your whole life thinking about, which is what John did. He wrote these words at the very end of his life. So when you read, look at the Bible in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, John's gospel was written last and it was written right at the end of his life. And I think that when you read these words, we're going to read them. Let's read them first and then I'll tell you what I think. He writes this, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of all mankind or all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. These are some of the most profound words you will ever read. To me, it's like an absolute concentration of all of human history in one power-packed thing. It's like, boom, there it is, light goes on. John has reflected on life, he's reflected on human history, he's reflected on everything that he knows about, he's reflected on all the time he's spent with Jesus, who is the great light, and he condenses it into this little, you know, just a few words there. I once met a 93-year-old pastor at Christmas time. And he was telling me he'd just finished writing his annual Christmas letter to his family. And with tears in his eyes, he was telling me how he was reflecting on these words again. He must have, he must have thought about these words many, many times through his life. And with such emotion, he was talking about this light who is Jesus. And I thought, oh my goodness, I want to be like that when I'm 93. Still impacted by the light who is Jesus. 
But it leaves us with a question. John's not telling us a lot there. He's just talking about the light. So who is the light? Well, this is not the only thing that John wrote. John also wrote some letters, and he wrote them a little bit earlier. And so it's a really fun thing to do in your Bible. Fun with your Bible, everybody. You read the Gospel of John, and then you flip across to 1 John, which is one of his letters, and it's actually almost like a mirror image, but from a different perspective. So let's flip over to 1 John and read here, because we get a different take on it. This is what he says. This is from someone who actually walked with the light. From the very first day we were there taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears. Now get, just notice what he's saying. He actually heard the light speak. We heard it with our own ears. We saw it with our own eyes. We verified it with our own hands. Can you imagine shaking hands with Jesus? Giving Jesus a hug in real life. Amazing. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. It's this boom thing again. Boom, here he is. He appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose. In other words, now we're telling it to you straight that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. Amazing. The light appeared and we got to see him. Let's go on. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing this is simply this. We want you to enjoy it too. This most wonderful story. But that still leaves us with a question. If Jesus is the light, if this is the most wonderful story, why would I want to walk with the light? This is not a new story. This is a really old story. The church has been proclaiming this story. It's been foretold before the time of Jesus. It keeps getting told. So why do people respond to the story and some people don't? Why would I want to walk in the light? Well, here's the most important thing I want to share with you today. If we go back to chapter, if we go back to John, so we're going to keep flipping between these two books. So go back to John. There's some really important words there. Can we go back to the slide? Here we go. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I can spend days walking around just saying those words over again, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to get a little bit geeky right now. If you read those words in the original language in which they were written, you, don't, you get more of the emphasis of what this is actually saying. What it's actually saying is the light shines in darkness and the darkness cannot in any way, absolutely not, overcome the light. Do you understand that? Nothing, 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 not even the worst thing that you can possibly imagine will overcome the light. Nothing. When I was learning Greek, I had an old professor who, who, again, with such emotion, taught us these words such that I can never forget this. Whenever I read this passage, I see my Greek professor there. And I see his face lighting up saying, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Nothing, nothing, nothing 
can overcome the light who is Jesus. Why would you want to walk with him? Because, because where Jesus is, the darkness has no power. We flip over to 1 John. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and we're passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. Now notice something. John doesn't actually tell us what the darkness is. He doesn't need to define the darkness. We all know what it is. Sometimes people call it sin. But actually you can call it whatever you want because you know what it is and you know what it feels like. It's, sometimes it's evil. We see evil stuff in the world. That's darkness. Sometimes it's disappointment. Is that not a form of darkness? Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's, you know, all that stuff. We don't, John doesn't have to define the darkness. We know what the darkness is. It's anything that limits us as human beings. Even people who choose to live in darkness ultimately live very limited lives. Darkness is not generous. Darkness does not open us up as people. Darkness is all about shutting us down and keeping us small. There's a very famous saying, and I don't know who said it first because I've never been able to find it, but it says this, that sin or darkness keeps us artificially small. When God created people, he created them full of light. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why, did, did, you know, why didn't Adam and Eve ever wear clothes before darkness entered the world? Some people reckon it's because they were created in the image of God. They were created full of light. Think of a light bulb, an incandescent light bulb. They just glowed. They didn't need clothes. They just glowed. How cool is that? <laughs> In fact, sometimes, I think it's true, sometimes in life, have you ever seen a newborn baby? It's like, boom, it glows. Have you seen a, a bride on the wedding day? You look at my wedding photo, there's one photo and I just go, man, I look like I'm glowing. With light, full of joy. There's something in us that still reflects the image of the creator. There's not meant to be darkness in us, but we live in this darkness. Why would you want to follow the light? Oh my goodness. Why have darkness around when you can live in the light? You know, in the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about Jesus, the light of the world, Well, Mark is. Mark's brilliant. You're going to want to be here next week, and you're going to want to be here on Christmas Eve, and you're going to want to bring people to hear more about this message of the light, because Mark's a brilliant communicator and a teacher, and I know he's really excited about this message as much as I am today. But I want, to talk, I want to leave you with an image for today to help you to think about over the next two weeks and as we lead up to Christmas. Here's an image. It's a bit of, a, a bit of an interesting one. It's a picture of a little girl in front of a fridge. Can you remember when you were a child and you're wondering, when I open the door, the light goes on. When I close the door, does the light stay on? <laughs> and you stand in front of the fridge and light on, light off. But is the light on or is the light off? I woke up the other morning and I thought, I think my life is like a fridge. <laughs> and sometimes I visit a little bit too much. Life is like a fridge. You know, you open the door, so you're never going to forget this now. This is my gift. I told you it was my gift to you in preparation for Christmas. Life is like a fridge. You open the door. It's like opening the door to expectation. You know, you get up in the morning and you open the door and wonder what sort of day it will be. And then someone annoys you, not George, because George never annoys me, but 
you know, something, and, and, and what happens? You close the door because you don't want to get hurt. Light goes off, light goes on. Ah, no, I don't like you anymore. Light goes off. And we all spend our lives, don't we, walking around. Light goes on, light goes off, light goes on. Having a bad day, light doesn't go on all day. We live this kind of on-off life of light and darkness. And no matter how hard I try, and I've tried hard from time, to keep the light on, inevitably something during a day or during a period of time will mean that I'll shut the door and the light goes off. Can't in and of myself keep the light on. But with Jesus, guess what happens? The light still goes on and off, by the way, because we live in a world that's full of darkness. We cannot escape the darkness. This is the world in which we live. So, you know, I walk through the day, light goes on, light goes off. But when Jesus is invited into my life and your life, even when the door's shut, guess what? The light is still on. Because the darkness has no power. The darkness cannot put out the light. One last picture. Remember when I was telling you the story about being in Connecticut? This is a real, this is like the real photo. This is, this is not the glamour photo from Wednesday night. <laughs> this is what we really look like. And I picked this photo because this is a photo that probably says more about how tired we were and how much pain we had been carrying and walking around. And yet we were on this amazing holiday because the reality was we tried to escape, but we couldn't escape. Our pain came with us on holiday. It had its own suitcases. <laughs> but even though we had that pain, there was still a lot of light in us because Christ was with us. And even though we had a lot of pain that we couldn't actually do anything about, we still had a sense of peace and we still had a sense of joy and we still had hope and we still had a lot of love. And they're the gifts of light that no amount of darkness can ever take away. Christmas is not a season to escape. For the people of God, Christmas is an invitation to engage with the world. In the first letter of Peter, one of the other people who met the light, Jesus, firsthand and spent three years with him, Peter understood the light and the darkness as well and he said, you know, even in the darkest times, when you remain in a place where Christ is your light, you shine like stars in the universe as you hold on to the message and the hope that is Jesus. It's a testimony to the darkness. As I look around our church today, I want to encourage us, don't be limited by what we see. Don't be limited by darkness because it can't win. Nothing, absolutely nothing can overpower light who is Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this amazing message that in Jesus there is life and there is light and that darkness, no matter what darkness looks like, has absolutely no power 
over the light and the life of Jesus. And so, Lord Jesus, today I pray that we would open our lives up to more of you. That those of us who know you well and know those of us who are already walking on the light, we're going to polish ourselves up today and open up the fridge and let you clean us out a little bit if you need to. Maybe there's some out-of-date stuff in the fridge of your life and it needs to get turfed out today so that more of the light can shine in your life. And for those of you, your heart's beating a bit and you're going, wow, I want to walk in that light. Boom, wow, does that light look like? (laughs) I pray that you would open up your life. Take a chance, open up the fridge door and just see what happens and receive the comfort and the peace and the joy that no matter what happens, no matter what happens this Christmas, that you too can walk in the light and no amount of darkness will paralyse you again. Jesus, we thank you for this most wonderful time of the year and we thank you for this most wonderful story. I pray that we would share it, that we would stand and shine like stars as we walk in the light with Jesus this week and into Christmas. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.